Welcome to the Strand Baptist Church podcast. Since entering lockdown level two, new episodes will be made available on Tuesday and on Thursday each week. Thank you for joining us and welcome. It's Tuesday, the 15th of September, and we are discussing Sunday, this past Sunday's message based on Acts chapter 8, verse um, 9 to the end of that particular passage, verse 25. And it's all about Simon Magus and his encounter with the gospel and then with the apostle Peter. And joining me for the discussion is Matthew. Hey, Matthew, how are you doing? Doing well. I'm quite full now. Just had something to eat. So, yeah, feeling good. Feeling ready for the discussion. I, I haven't had lunch yet. Thank you for reminding me. Um, so, uh, yeah, where do we take it from here? Well, um, we'll go through your points uh, one by one for on Sunday's message. And with the first point was on pride. was on pride. Pride being the heart of false conversion. And as you were preaching on that point, you mentioned that at one point, I'm sorry for belaboring this point. <laughs> and that kind of just stood out to me. It's like, okay, that means you believe this is absolutely important. Um, you, you believe that this is something you need to harp on. This is something you need to drill down into so that we could actually understand that. And in verse 11, it says that um, Simon claimed to be somebody great. So that's obviously pride. And why it was important at the end, you mentioned that this flawed and and delusional view of self keeps many people out of heaven and so pride isn't merely a human flaw it is not something that it's it's just ah it is what it is it's a part of the human condition but but pride actually will send people to hell it's of it has eternal consequences so pride is a big deal um and so as you spoke about pride, I'm thinking in my head, okay, in our world, in our culture, where sin is prevalent, what ideas, what ideologies, what theologies even give heed or seem to encourage a sense of pride in the human person? So I was wondering if you have any thoughts on that kind of thing. In our culture, what ideas are there that seem to prop up the human self and, and to kind of lead us to trust in ourselves? Sure. I think there are a number of those ideologies in society. You mentioned now, uh, before I continue, you mentioned that um, what I mentioned on Sunday is that pride keeps many people from heaven. And, and that's clear. Um, from scripture that is absolutely biblical god opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble and so and i mentioned it time and time again you either come to jesus in humility or you do not come to him at all so that's that's absolutely true at a base level but also um, pride has severe consequences just in terms of what you're experiencing in your life now um I didn't mention it on Sunday. I should have mentioned it on Sunday. But if you look at the transition from the previous passage to this particular passage, the previous passage that you preached on, and we spent a lot of time discussing that, the joy of God's people. Um, I mean, verse 8 ends with um, there was much joy in the city because of the gospel and because of what God through his Holy Spirit was doing in the midst of his people. And then the very next passage starts with, but there was a man. And there's a contrast there. So clearly, um, something's changed, and it's not just it's it's not just that now we're introduced to someone who's 
prideful, who's arrogant, but also I think there's a change in the kind of experience of that, where, where pride not only robs people of heaven, it robs them of joy, even in this life. So, um, so what are the ideologies that, that uh, prop up self? Well, first thing that comes to mind is the self-esteem cult that we have in society nowadays, where we um, think that everyone is awesome all the time. And you, you see this when, when you talk to people. People believe that humanity is basically good at heart. Um, people believe that they are basically good. We've seen this in our street evangelism. When you share the gospel with people, they don't really understand that they need Jesus because they're good people. God will let them into heaven. Why wouldn't he if they're so awesome? But we, we find this in, in, in interesting places. We see this in schools where... Um, teachers are encouraged to affirm children no matter what they do. And we saw this even with, with our, our, our oldest child, uh, Yusha, um, when he was in, um, uh, in, in play school. You know, the teacher would keep uh, trying to compliment him into good behavior. <laughs> and that doesn't work. Any parent who's tried that knows that that just doesn't work. So what you've got is you've got a disobedient child and he thinks he's awesome. <laughs> and And so... Um, you see that in primary school, you see that in school, you see that in um, uh, even the way that um, uh, people uh, uh, deal with uh, competition. Nowadays, we give people uh, participation awards. You show up and you get an award. Why? Because we don't want people to feel bad about themselves. The reality is, sorry, as terrible as this may sound, if, if you did not come first, you did not come first, you don't deserve a gold medal. And that's okay. Um, that, that's, that's part of life. But what we do is we keep propping people up. We keep telling people, no, no, you're amazing. You're so wonderful. You're so this. You're so that. And um, so the self-esteem cult, that's one part of it. The second part of it is um, I think uh, I remember learning in economics that um, we have this hierarchy of needs. It's called Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and much of our economy is based on it. And right at the bottom, we have our basic needs, you know, food and, and shelter and clothing. And then it, it moves up the rungs. And the very top, the main need that he, th he says people need is self-actualization, which is basically just being the best version of you, you know, becoming your ultimate self. And, and this obsession with self-actualization people build their entire lives with uh, around that idea you know and i mean there is no empirical evidence that that we have that need um it is a thumbsuck theory that maslow made up because something needs to be at the top and why not self because if you remove god from the equation then why not self and so we've built entire industries around this that cater to people's arrogance and pride because we want them to feel good about themselves thinking that that is their main, that is what they need most. Um, so, and, and that's nonsense. So we've got self-esteem cult. We've got this fake hierarchy of needs. Um, we've got the, a large part of the psychological profession is built around making people feel good about themselves. And a big part of that is absolving them from guilt. So, you find that it's your mother's, uncle's, father's fault. You know, you, you always go back into the past. It's someone else's fault. It's your circumstances fault. And there's this absolute lack of accountability or responsibility in a lot of what's being taught today. Mm. 
And, um, and it's quite interesting. As a society, we're even starting to rebel against that because we're now seeing the fruit of that. Um, so that also is, um, is, a, is a form of that. But then, I mean, just look at advertising, which again is based on Maslow's hierarchy of, of need. But just look at the way that things are marketed. Um, you drive this car, you're going to have that, that house. You're going to live this life. You're going to marry that girl or whatever the case might be. Or you smoke. I remember the cigarette ads when I was growing up. It was, it was crazy. You'd have these rugged, manly men smoking the cigarette and doing these amazing things. What does a, a, a cancer stick have to do with being able to survive in the outdoors? Absolutely nothing. But it plays, it plays to the ego. It plays to the ego. So, I mean, th- those are a few examples, but it's, it's prevalent in society. Now, when you talk about church, yeah. oh, um, you know, there, there it becomes even worse. Yeah, as you were talking about that, um, before you jump into how it kind of manifests itself within within our circles, within the church, um, there is a particular female hip-hop artist, I won't name the person, um, but this person has recently released a song that is, quite honestly, so vile that they can't play it on the radio. <laughs> the lyrics are that bad. That it cannot be played on the radio. There would be too many bleeps in the song. And she recently released a or composed a tweet, as it were, and, and sent this message out on social media. And the message read, It is so easy to be good. You actually have to go out of your way to be evil and terrible. And I just found that so interesting because she actually exercises a level of influence over teenagers in particular and young people through her music. And this is someone whose music is so bad. (laughs) They can't play it on the radio. And she said, hey, it's easy to be good. This delusional view of self is absolutely everywhere. Even in the music you listen to, where the bad people actually think they are good. And being good is actually easy. But in the Christian view of self, it's the, the opposite, in fact, to what you said. It is so easy, almost natural, to be wicked, to be selfish, and to be evil. And you have to go out of your way to be good. In fact, we believe we need a heart change. <laughs> we need God to come into our hearts, take out that old, stony, dead heart, and make us alive to good works. I just found that such an, a wonderful illustration if you will, of how delusional we are as a culture at this time. I think that also speaks to the fact that we have redefined what it means to be good. Um, Because if you think that being good is easy, then you have either got delusions of grandeur, you think way too much of yourself, which is probably true, (laughs) but then also you have got no idea what actual good is. Um, you've got no frame of reference for it. And, and let's be honest, outside of the gospel, separated from God, outside of Christ, if you don't have God as the center of what defines good, I mean, the Bible says that, um, you know, that he is good. God is good. Over and over again, God is good. Um, a taste and see that the Lord is good is the psalm I'm thinking of. And, and if you don't have that, 
and you have to then find some other definition for good, you will necessarily have a warped definition of what that is. And while you mentioned Twitter and Facebook, I really do think that contributes to the self-esteem cult because I think Twitter, um, your opinion matters. No, it does not. I am sorry. Um, just the, f- the fact that you have a voice does not mean that your voice is worth listening to. That sounds absolutely terrible even saying that out loud, <laughs> you know, because that's the world we live in. But I don't need that person's... I mean, she can't sing a song that can play on radio. That's how vile it is. Now she feels that she has the authority or something to say about morality. I'm sorry, just because you have the opportunity to say something on Twitter doesn't mean it's interesting or worth my time. Um, and it does not make you right. Yeah. And so we have these uh, you know, platforms, Twitter and Facebook, and I'm sure there are others that I'm not even aware of, but um, social media that makes you think that, that you know, your opinion matters. And let's be honest, um, my opinion on thermonuclear energy doesn't matter because I know nothing about thermonuclear energy. But where you do know something, yeah, there are, there are speak, and hopefully with some authority based on the word of God. But me tweeting that out does not suddenly make that public policy, and everyone should pay attention to that. So apologies. I, I, I know I rant on social media quite a bit, but it, is, it, is, it, it reveals so much of the human heart, um, the self-obsession that everyone needs to see me. Everyone needs to know about me. They need to know what I had for lunch. Why would I want to know that? In what world does that matter? But anyhow, um, I digress. So yeah, those are a few things. Those are a few things. And we were talking about the church. Thank you, Matthew, for reminding me. Okay, so in the church, what, what are some of the things that prop up pride in the church? I think there are theologies in the church that prop up pride. Um, I'm going to start in, a, in an interesting place. Legalism. Legalism props up pride. This idea that you have the ability in yourself to fulfill the commands of God. I've had conversations with people who would deny that they are legalists, but they honestly think that without obeying the law, you cannot be saved. Now, I know that Christ writes the law on the tab- by the Holy Spirit, writes the law on the tablets of our hearts. That's absolutely true. Um, he's given us a new heart that has a disposition to obey the law of God. Um, we have, uh, you know, uh, a lot to say about. Um, doing what God has called us to do. That's absolutely true. But anyone who has truly tried to obey the law and found themselves fail over and over again, there's no room for pride there. But when you're a legalist, what usually happens is you think you're doing it right and other people are doing it wrong. And you think that gives you license to criticize them. Keep in mind, a pride person is usually a very critical person um, because you're the only person who does it right. And so legalism is a source of tremendous pride. I've, I've sat down with husbands and wives. I've sat down with parents and children. I've sat down with just individuals. And where they are convinced that they are doing everything right as far as God's law is concerned, um, you know, you, you, you almost want to pray. I remember an old Baptist pastor, Afrikaans Baptist pastor, years ago, what was it, 70, 80 years ago, preached a sermon once where uh, completely exasperated with uh, people's, um, uh, you know, obtuseness. They, they just didn't get the gospel. At one point he cried out, go and steal a sheep so that you can know you're a sinner. 
Um, and I and I kind of get his desperation because all these people were so respectable and look how good we're doing and and we're so nice, yeah. and um, and sometimes it takes quite a lot to for people to understand. He wasn't encouraging sin. That was not the point. In case we get emails about this, <laughs> but um, but legalism is one. And then again, this whole idea we've spoken about it before, where we turn the gospel into a means to get what you want. You want a fulfilled life? Jesus will give you your best life now. You don't have a plan for your life? Don't worry. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And we turn Jesus into um, this, this uh, you know, divine genie or, or psychologist. And one guy even called it moral therapeutic deism. Now, that's a big phrase, but he said that's what you find in many churches today. It's devoid of the gospel. It's devoid of... Um, talking about sin, it's to, uh, they don't talk about how much we need the Lord Jesus Christ. They just talk about how much Jesus wants to give you and how wonderful it would be if you come to him. And the reality is we saw this even in this passage. Sometimes coming to Jesus means that you experience persecution. Yeah. And um, yeah. yeah, so uh, those are, are a few examples. I'm sure we can add, but our time is up. Yeah, just... Quite quickly on, on that idea of uh, pride in the church, I remember speaking to a few friends um, at a place I used to work when I was still studying, <clears throat> and there was always this idea of, um, hey, if I speak this thing into existence, this is going to happen. Or if I declare A, B, and C, whatever it might be. And I always found that such a strange idea. And I remember speaking to, to, the, to this uh, friend of mine, and I said, now, what need is there to humble yourself in prayer, asking God for something, when you have within yourself the ability to just declare it? You are, by your own admission, powerful enough, strong enough to declare whatever you want to happen. You have no need for Christ. You have absolutely no need to even go to Him, humble yourself in prayer asking for him all that he has promised you've got it and and that's the danger with pride as you mentioned it keeps you from heaven ultimately it keeps you away from god's blessing name it and claim it um yeah if you really want a barometer of exactly how humble you are go and look at your prayer life that'll tell you how much you think you need jesus and if you're a prayerless person chances are uh, you're not as humble as you think you are. And that applies to all of us, myself included. When I look at my prayer life, I think there is room to grow in humility there. Because if I truly believed that I need him for even this very breath, mm -hmm. and I need him for to end this very sentence, I would pray more. Mm -hmm. I would definitely pray more. Well, thank you for joining us today. Apologies for the slightly longer episode than normal, but it was a long sermon, I, I've been told. <laughs> I, I, am, I wasn't aware of it while we were we're here on Sunday. Um, so it's going to take some time to cover it all. But there's so much to say about this. But thank you for joining us. And we do trust that you have a blessed day. God bless. Take care. Bye-bye.